0: Say the question again. Thank you. Yeah. So the question is, what about Protestants? This is the Catholic belief. What about Protestant belief? Here's here's what you have to understand about Protestants. So, so Protestants. So what? The, if if I had to pick one, there's two big differences between Catholics and Protestants. There's really about a thousand, but there's two really big ones. And the two big ones are, where is authority, and how are you saved? Those are the two biggest ones. So, on the question of authority, and here's the argument: is that Scripture itself tells us that the Catholic Church has authority. So, we talked last week about Peter when, when in Matthew 16, um, in Ephesians chapter two, is that right? Is two or four? Um, I don't want to give you bad information. Yeah, Ephesians 2. Verse 18. For through him, through through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. You are no longer strangers and sojourners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Here's the early Christian belief. Uh, Another great one is 1 Timothy 3.16. 1 Timothy 3.16 says that you should know how you ought to behave in the household of God, which is the pillar and bulwark of the truth. So with authority, Protestants want to say the only authority is Scripture. It's only the Bible. This is the only authority. Catholics, they want to say the Church is the ultimate, Christ is the ultimate source. We would both agree on that. Protestants and Catholics would both agree Christ is the ultimate authority. But really, Catholics believe the Church is the authority. Now, it does that In scripture and tradition. That's one question. The other question the other big question is salvation. And so what Protestants believe about salvation is faith alone. In Catholics, it's more complex than this. This is a disservice, but for time's sake. Catholics believe it's faith and works. which we will go, we'll talk about that in detail. That's really important. Um, so, here, so here we go. So what happens in history is, and uh, a great parallel here, and I didn't put this on your handout because it was a crazy day, but it's Acts chapter 1. So what a lot of people say is they say, okay, pretty much no one argues that the apostles have authority. No one argues. Anyone who's a Christian, they're like, Obviously, the apostles have authority. No one argues that. But what they say is that that was just for them. So Acts chapter one starts. So Jesus ascends to heaven in Acts chapter one, and in Acts one, the first thing they do is they they someone's died. Which of the apostles is dead? Yes. Judas, right? So Judas betrays Jesus. And in Acts chapter 1, the first thing they do after Jesus ascends to heaven is they elect a successor. It's the first thing they do. So Judas is betrayed. Christ, he's de- he hanged himself. He's dead. And the first thing they do in Acts 1, and this starts in verse 12, is Matthias is chosen to replace Judas. And so, Peter in verse 16 says, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David, concerning Judas, who was guide to those who arrested Jesus. He was numbered among us, and was allotted his share in this ministry. It kind of goes on, talks about how Judas didn't do too well. And then Peter says, as it is written in the book of Psalms, verse 20 let his habitation become desolate, let there be no one left to live in it, and his office let another take. That's Acts 120. So they debate a little bit who should we put forward? And they put forward two men, Joseph called Bersabbas in verse 23. And Matthias. And in verse 24, they prayed and they said, Lord, you know the hearts of all men. Show which one of these two you have chosen. And this, if you're coming from a Protestant background, this is a massively critical point. Scripture itself tells us that the apostles was not a one time thing, it was an office. So, right, when um, if a president of the United States dies and we're like, Say someone died in office, we're not talking about right now, we're not talking about current politics, I'm avoiding that right now. If someone died in office, we wouldn't be like, oh crap, it was great while it lasted, but I guess it's each man for himself. No, we hold an election. It's an office. Someone steps into that office. So that's what they do, and they elect Matthias, and Matthias is enrolled with the twelve apostles. This hang with me tonight. I'm, I feel like I'm a little off. Just hang with me. Do you know how do they how do they elect Matthias? What do they do? Does we know? Come on, my Protestants. They cast lots. Lots are like dice. Do you know? Do you know what like in the Bible? When do you cast lots? Not gambling. Not gambling. No. No. Mm-mm. Yes, but it's more specific. You cast lots to choose a priest. Does anybody know who wrote Acts of the Apostles? Who is the author of Acts of the Apostles? Luke. Does anybody know what happens in Luke chapter one? There's a lot of things that happen. But there's something that happens like this. That's a hint. (laughs) What they do, this is so cool, lots is a priestly thing. If you're coming from a Protestant background, you don't believe there is any priest in the New Testament. Yes, there is. We're going to talk about priesthood and how the New Testament shows us and all early Christians believed there was an ongoing priesthood in the the Christian church. In Luke chapter 1, there's two couples that Gabriel appears to. So Gabriel appears to Mary, but before Gabriel appears to Mary, who does he appear to? Zechariah. Zechariah, who's the father of John the Baptist. And the Gospel of Luke begins when they choose a priest to go into the temple to offer sacrifice before God. And the way they choose a priest, did I say that? They cast lots. And what, what Luke wants to do is he wants to show you how the church... So here's the, the Gospel, is the story of the life of Christ... Acts of the Apostles is how the life of Christ continues in the church itself. Acts, so Luke 1 begins with a priest being chosen by casting lots. Acts 1 begins with a priest being chosen by the casting of lots. So cool. I freaking love that. Okay, let's pause. Oh, let me say one more thing. So the, the Catholic church, what we think... So, so, Michelle, what you asked, going back to like non-Catholics, what they think is they think, hey, show me. Show me in here. And I'm sympathetic to that. As you can tell, I'm kind of a Bible nerd. I love scripture. I study it constantly, right, just a little bit. Here's the problem with that. And we've talked about this before. The overwhelming majority of humans in history can't read. Overwhelming majority. The printing press was invented in 1454. I've been bad with dates tonight, but something like that. In the 1450s, the Gutenberg press is invented. Right? Let's just say 50s to be safe. 1450s, the Gutenberg press is invented. Right? And now everyone books become much cheaper. prior to that, books are insanely expensive. By the way, do your homework. This one, And you're coming to RCIA, you're doing this. But you know how people sometimes will say, the Catholic Church wanted to keep the Bible out of people's hands, and so they would chain it to pillars and churches and stuff? Do you ever heard that? They did. We, we did chain Bibles to pillars and churches. You know why we did that? Because Bibles were insanely ins- expensive before 1454. Insanely. You know what it did? We chained them up so that no one would steal it and so that everyone could have access to the Bible. It's just that so, you guys are too young to remember phone books, most of you. But the same reason a phone book is chained in a phone booth is so that no one will take it so everyone can have it. That's why Bibles were chained. So everyone could see it. Um, okay, so Protestants believe that the Bible has authority. We did all this, but the Bible doesn't exist as an authoritative document in the New Testament until the, 400, the late 300s, 397. People can't read. And so when people had to dispute questions, and they said, well, which one is it? And there were tons of questions. You know what the biggest one was? Is Jesus really God or not? And people were debating. You know what they did? They did not pull out their Bibles and shoot Scripture verses at each other. You know, they're like, yeah, but did you see Mark 13, 14? He says he doesn't know when the end of the world is. They're like, no, but you know, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, they're shooting scripture verses. They didn't do that. You know what they did? They said there were apostles. Their authority was handed on to bishops. This is what we call, in the Catholic Church, we call it apostolic succession. And sorry I'm all over the board tonight, but what we believe as Catholics is that God, there is one church. And people will say, well, doesn't everybody have authority? No, they don't. You know why? Because there are 30,000 different denominations of Christians who all will tell you that their authority is this. That's the problem with sola scriptura, Bible alone. The problem with that is this is a really complex document, and if you and I disagree about it, we start a new church. In the ancient church, it didn't work that way. People knew that Jesus started a church. He gave authority to the apostles. They handed it on to their successors, who are the bishops. And that continues to this day. Okay. Okay. We're gonna clean this up next time because I didn't do a very good job of this tonight. Questions? Do you like your handout that has nothing to do with anything we talked about? Yeah. Um. So, on this thing, I know. Like, I've heard you mention before at Mass, like what the pre- what the Pope says over his Cheerios and doctrine, whatever. Yes, is that a great line? <laughs> to quote you. Yes. Um, Don't but, quote me. <laughs> I'm just but uh, so, like. I guess my question is, and you can maybe do this briefly. Yep. What how does church think what specifically becomes doctrine? And has it ever been wrong? Has it ever been changed before? Right. So what is doctrine? What's what stays? So the, the, the Catholic belief, the number one job of bishops and the Pope himself is to hand on what has been there from the beginning. Right? And so so I tell people this all the time, like and I, I think I've used this example before, but people will say, my pastor gave this amazing sermon, and he said X, Y, or Z, or she said X, Y, or Z. And and my, my thought is always like, I bet they did. They're probably really smart. The problem is, is that St. Ignatius of Antioch, right, who I've cited numerous times, St. Ignatius of Antioch was mentored by John the Apostle. So we could bring brilliant Protestant pastors in here who are smarter than me not better looking, but but who were smarter than me and who would say, and more dynamic, and they would say, here's why I can't really be the body of Christ. Ignatius of Antioch was mentored by John the Apostle who was at the Last Supper. He was at the Transfiguration. Ignatius of Antioch tells us that he considers his death to be a testimony to the fact that the Eucharist is the true flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. Ignatius of Antioch, he, um, I always want to say it's, it's 110 when he dies in the Colosseum. Very early. Ignatius of Antioch says you can't be a Christian unless you're obedient to your bishop. That's crazy. That, I mean, and like, again, best of intentions, love my brothers and sisters in the Protestant churches. It's a ch- no one believed what they taught until the 16th century. Truth doesn't change. The early Christians, radically, if you ask a Protestant pastor today and they say, what does it mean to be a Christian? What they will tell you is, have faith and you're going to heaven. And that's a caricature but it's kind of true. Romans 10, uh, what is it? 10, 10, 9. Romans 10, 9. Um, if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God the Father raised him, you too will be saved. Romans 10, 9. Um, That's what they'll tell you. That's what Christianity is about. If you ask St. Ignatius of Antioch or Irenaeus of Lyon or Justin Martyr or any voice before the 16th century, anybody, they will tell you what it means to be a Christian is to be baptized, to follow Jesus Christ. Faith is certainly a part of it. But to to be obedient to him and to be a part of the church. Ah, Okay, so what's doctrine, what's not? So bishops are not the inventors of doctrine, they're the servants of it. So to hand on, what's the Latin word to hand on? Anybody know? So the the first job of a bishop is to hand on what he received. Which Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. The job of a bishop and of a priest is to hand on what they received. The Latin word for that is tradition. Tradition means to hand on. And so the the job of a pope or a bishop, and so this is why Catholics right? like, if you don't like Pope Francis, it's okay. And I really mean that. And I'll just be frank here. I don't, Francis kind of drives me nuts. I respect his office. He is the pope of the Catholic Church. He has legitimate authority. Your boss at work, there's two types of authority your boss at work can have. Two types of authority, there is moral, And there is office. If your boss is a total jerk, I'm not saying Pope Francis is a total jerk. I'm not saying that. I don't like the way he does some things. I will just say that. You can be a very faithful, very good Catholic and believe that. I'm a Catholic not because of a Pope or a bishop. I'm a Catholic because Jesus Christ founded the Catholic Church and gave her authority. And he promised that his spirit would guide her to the end of time. That's why I'm a Catholic. I am not a Catholic because I like a certain pope. And if I was, I would be in trouble. Okay, moral authority is the kind of authority that anyone can have. Moral authority is what Mother Teresa had. So Mother Teresa did not have an office in the church. She was not a bishop. She's not a priest. She didn't have an office. But when Mother Teresa, in the 80s, goes to Harvard University and condemns abortion, people change their lives and they're obedient to what she says because of who she is. Now, all of us are supposed to have that kind of authority. We're all supposed to live amazing lives. And so when we speak, people say, wow, Like the way you live your life, that moral authority is, is compelling. But unfortunately in this world, sometimes people have an office of authority without having more authority. So if I'm late every day, which I pretty much am, and then I turn to Patrick and I'm like, hey, I saw you were five minutes late yesterday. Don't ever, don't ever let that happen again. If Patrick says, well, hey, FB is late every single day, the hell with that, I'm not showing up on time. What's gonna happen? I will fire his you know what. <laughs> don't you forget that, <laughs> really? Yeah, Because he's still an authority of office. So, what the church teaches is that bishops do, they, we hope they have a moral authority, but they have authority of office, for sure. They have this, they are called to have this. And we also believe Jesus has very strong words for those in positions of authority who don't live good lives. He's a very strong words for them. Um, It kind of freaks you out when you become a priest, in fact. Okay, so how do you know what's church eating and what's not? That's what, last time we talked about the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And this is, again, it's one of the reasons I love being a Catholic. Sometimes you'll have the same thing you have in the Protestant world, where if you come to Our Lady of Lords, Father Brian says this. You go to another church, and this priest says this. You know what you do then? You go home, you pull out this thing called the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which has a fantastic... Index, and you can look up just about anything you want. And there is an authority bigger than who's the most compelling. So there's that, and then popes finally. I'm sorry, I don't know what's wrong with me tonight. Popes, um, there's levels of authority. The highest authority the Catholic Church can have is an ecumenical council. this is when the Pope and the bishops all together have a council like Vatican II or the Council of Nicaea or Trent or Constantinople or uh, chalcedon you name it and they come together and they say this is what we have always believed and sometimes there's questions that come up so at the Council of Chalcedon in the year 431 the big question is how can Jesus is Jesus God or man and the Council of Chalcedon, what Catholics believe, is that it's not because the Catholic Church is all that great and the bishops are brilliant. It's because Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would protect us. The Council of Chalcedon comes down and says Jesus is 100% both. And what's funny today is basically every single Christian on earth believes that. And they just think, well, it's obvious in the Bible. And pardon my friends, but the hell it is. The early church was fighting people who said it isn't clear in the Bible for 400 years. And when the Catholic church spoke, people didn't say, okay, you had a perfect argument from Scripture. That's not what they said. They said the Catholic church has authority. So, so that's the highest. Then there's ex cathedra. And really what it is, it's ordinary, I should say this, When something has been taught forever, an example of this, we didn't get to Mary tonight, but we'll get to her. um, the Immaculate Conception. If you're coming from a Protestant tradition, we believe Catholics believe Mary was conceived in the womb without original sin. We'll talk about why that is. One of the things when that doctrine is written of the Immaculate Conception, one of the things the Pope will say there is that this has been taught, even though there's there's not a really clear passage, there is one, and we'll talk about it, Um, But this has been taught from the very beginning. Essentially, this has always been part of the tradition. The apostles taught this. The next bishops taught it. It was handed on forever. This is what it is. Then you have ex cathedra, and then we'll all end this. Ex cathedra. So we believe that the Holy Father and our bishops deserve our basic day-by-day respect. So Pope Francis, I have no, like, like when he teaches something, I'm not a, I am not. have a deference towards him because he's not just, he is not the CEO of the Catholic Church. He's my father. And I have a respect and a deference towards him. It doesn't mean that what he says over Cheerios is Catholic dogma, which is the modern world thinks. But I, I owe him, I give him a deference and respect. I always will. Um, but official, infallible, when we we say a pope cannot teach something wrong, that means that we call that infallibility. It's impossible for him to say something wrong. That's not about the pope. It's about the Holy Spirit loving us. Because Christ wants the truth to remain for all time, so we believe the Holy Spirit protects the pope from saying something false. It's an official teaching. That's when we talk about ex cathedra, which is Latin. It means from the chair. So cathedral comes here, the cathedral is the chair of the bishop's authority. His chair is there. So ex-catheter teaching when a Pope teaches that way, we believe the Holy Spirit protects him from teaching error. Anyone know how many times this has happened in history? Twice. That's right. It's happened twice. And so the, the caricature of Catholicism is the Pope wakes up and he's like, yeah you know, I'm kind of sick of cashews. Let's make cashews a sin. And I know no one says that. But you know what I mean? People have this kind of idea that the Pope just makes up whatever he wants. The number of times a Pope has spoken infallibly in history, in all of history, is twice. And so that's a big point. The, The bishops and the popes are not the masters of Catholic teaching. They're its servants. And their job is not to invent new things. In fact, they're forbidden from that. The truth comes from Jesus Christ. Their job is to on the truth and to preserve it from being changed or tainted. We're not going to have class for two weeks. Um, is that right, Steph? Yeah. Yeah, that was a thumbs up. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to have class for two weeks. Um, Feel free to take that sheet home, read over that. When we come back, we're going to talk about how Mary is incredibly biblically rooted, right? And Jesus wants communion. God wants to make us a family, and families tend to have a mother. We're going to talk about that. Um, If you have questions over break, email me. You can still come see me, um, and we'll keep rolling through. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're going to pray Hail Mary. Don't If you're not there yet, you do not need to pray that. But if you're with me, just pray Hail Mary with me. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for coming. If I don't see you, tomorrow is the day you can start decorating for Christmas in the Catholic (laughs) thought world. So you're off the hook. See you in. And so our next class is in three weeks. Yeah, so we don't have class for two more weeks, or for the next two weeks. So that means it's three weeks from tonight is the next one. touch that It's a, it's a good so Zach, it is a problem. Church really is just a parochial going to the an altar. And that's a problem. I mean, and we'll talk about this we'll at some point. So, false design is a female. And basically, what he talks about is that it's kind of why tonight we're talking about the church is not the same thing as the authority. Yeah. So much more than that. So the church is not, is not the hierarchy, which is where it is. And so what Paul deserves to say about this, is he says, writing long on he says that uh, what happened in recent centuries is that the people started coming back to the church in recent years. And he says, because of that, they were isolated from the rest of the church. And so, long answer, but for there to be people in the church, not just like accountability, which I think is important, but even greater, there has to be community. And so the the priests and the bishops of the church have to stop them. Have something separate from the rest of the church. They still have their authority. They still are the minister of the church. But they're only...